The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. I'm your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Today, I am going to be running another clubhouse room for you. This one is from August 20th, 2022. And if you have been subscribing and listening to these wonderful rooms, you know that people are struggling. We all are. Nobody is without some kind of struggle in their life. What is wonderful about the clubhouse room is that I and my wonderful moderators will try to support and help those who come and open up to us. And this is what we have to do. We, we've got to reach out to other people and just say, hey, I'm struggling with something. Please, can you help? And there are people out there who are qualified and capable of helping. I know that you're enjoying these segments. I so enjoy each and every one of these rooms. My moderators are amazing, as you know. And I want you to all remember that you're not alone in the struggles that you're going through. There are other people who are struggling along with you. Some of them are carrying even heavier crosses that they're bearing than you are. But your problems are something that you're dealing with. Remember, though, you're not alone in these struggles. There's always someone out there to help. If you have to reach out to a support group, a support line, please do. Call someone that you trust if you need that help. And remember, you are amazing and that you can be whoever you wish to become as long as you get out of a fixed mindset and adopt a growth mindset and believe that everything can change as long as you put the work into it. I'm Paul Nadeau, and now here's the August 20th, 2022 Clubhouse Special, just for you. Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Nadeau, and I started this room almost two years ago with King, and King had invited me to this app. He said, I think you're going to enjoy this, and I like to speak, and I also like to learn and I like to share, and it was exactly what I was looking for. So like anything, you test it for a bit, and you see where you fit in all this. And for me, I wanted to start a room, and I wanted to start a room on something, on a topic that I know quite a bit about, and the thought of starting it on self-sabotage and helping people deal with self-sabotage occurred to me. because so I've had to deal with that a lot in my life. And I approached it from the point of view of a hostage negotiator because I'm a former hostage negotiator. A hostage negotiator approaches either a hostage taker or a person in crisis and then talks with them and talks them into examining what is happening and looking for a way out. So for example, if I'm speaking to a hostage taker, they often do not know what they're doing it's not as though they always plan it and they find themselves in stress 
not knowing exactly what to do because they feel that they're under attack and they have to find a way out. So the hostage negotiator comes out and tries to calm the situation down and then offers them ways out. The same is true when somebody is in crisis, when somebody is stressed. It's important to have someone there who thinks and who helps and supports. One of the greatest things that we can say to someone else who is in crisis is I'm here to help. I'm here to listen. We have to do that to ourselves as well, because oftentimes the person who is attacking us is us. Nobody has the power over us to hurt us, to hurt our feelings, to do whatever it is. The only people that do that really is ourselves because we attach meaning to what people say. And oftentimes we attach the wrong meaning or we don't look at the whole picture. It's important for us to take a look at what is happening and then determine the best course of action because we have the ability to negotiate our way out of a lot of different situations. Eleanor Roosevelt once said that nobody can hurt you unless you give them permission to. And that is so very true. We find ourselves in difficult places, but we can always get out. And if we can't get out alone, what's important is that we reach out to somebody and say, I need help. I need to get out of here. There's a bad stigma to this kind of stuff, but it should not be. Because guess what? We are more similar than we are different. Everyone in this room here and everyone on this application has at one time suffered from self-sabotage, probably does now. Everybody has needed help at some point in their lives. So what is self-sabotage? Well, the definition of sabotage per se is to deliberately destroy, damage, or obstruct something. It's a deliberate act. If you're reading the news or you're watching the news or whatever, and they say such and such a place was sabotaged, the damage was. We know that somebody has deliberately gone out and done something to obstruct something or damage or completely destroy something. When it comes to self-sabotage, well, that refers to behaviors or thought patterns that hold us back or prevent us, obstruct us, or destroy us from, from moving forward. It, it is something that we actually deliberately do ourselves. It's a deliberate act once we become aware of it. And this is why it's important for us to become aware of it. What are some of the uh, examples of self-sabotage? Now, when I rhyme these off, and I, I do every week, I want you to think about your own life. Is this something that you're doing right now? And if it is, become aware of it and start policing those thoughts. Start thinking about, okay, if I'm thinking this way, what must I do to change my thought pattern and negotiate my way out of this mess? So are you blaming others when things go wrong? When something goes wrong in your life, are you, are you the first one to point your finger at somebody and say, you know what, it was not my fault, my boss was out to get me, or my girlfriend, boyfriend, it was their fault, they weren't listening to me, it's not me. Well, a lot of people do that in relationships or at jobs or whatever. They don't take the time to really examine to see what it is that they might have done to contribute to the mess that they're in. I think it's really important that we stop blaming others and we take a look and say, okay, where did I mess up and what must I do to be a better version of myself and take responsibility and accountability? That's another one. What a lot of people don't take, they're, they're, they're not accountable to themselves or to other people. They make promises to themselves or promises to other people and then they don't deliver. 
For example, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, great. I promise myself that I'm going to go to the gym, promise myself that I'm going to do intermittent fasting, promise myself that I'm going to do this. And a week and a half later, they're with a bag of chips. And they're thinking, well, you know what? I, I can start tomorrow or I can start next week. So they drop the accountability to themselves or others. Hey, I promise I'll be there. I promise I will help. And then all of a sudden, when they call for that help, you're not there. So that is a form of self-sabotage. Another one very similar to uh, blaming others when things go wrong is choosing to walk away when things don't go right. So we're all going to face those tough times where things just don't seem to be going right. But think back on your life right now of all those times or those few times that things really went wrong. Are you still in that place or have you moved away from that place? That's what we have to think is that when things don't go right in our lives, we have to remind ourselves that this too shall pass. This is only temporary. It's not a permanent state. I've been in places like this before. I have to remember what I did to get myself out and I'm not alone. I know that this will pass. And when we're feeling something that is really hurting our, us, it's hard to think that way, but it's so important because once we tell the conscious mind that everything's gonna be okay, the conscious mind sends a message to the unconscious mind says, we're gonna be okay. We're gonna get through this, we're strong. And there's a number of different methods in which we can do to, to make that happen. When we feel overwhelmed to the point where we stop, that we don't take another step forward. For example, you have an enormous task in front of you and you're feeling overwhelmed. You say, you know, I just cannot do this. I just cannot do this. Again, what you tell the conscious mind, the conscious mind will tell the subconscious mind and you won't be able to do it. The thing is, we can take small steps. There's a great book out there called Atomic Habits. And the author of that book talks about taking it one step at a time. Do two minutes today, five minutes tomorrow, whatever it is, but take the journey one step at a time. Don't look at it and think of the end result. Think of what you can do in the moment and take it at one point at a time. Another thing that people do to sabotage themselves is when they feel that they're not being seen or not being heard in a relationship with family or whatever, they, they pick fights with their families or their partners. And instead of just sitting back, and sometimes it's hard to have those, those conversations. Sometimes it's, it's hard because we make it hard to sit down with somebody, look at them right in the eyes and say, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that you're not seeing me or that I'm not being appreciated. It's only hard when we say it's hard. If we look at someone and truly value the relationship that we're in, we can have those conversations. And in fact, it's so important to have those conversations because those, those conversations that are not had, they don't go away. They stay in your head. They still, you, they still make you feel like you're not being seen or you're not being heard. Picking a fight with somebody is not the way to do it. Sitting and being mature and being adult and saying, can we talk? That's a great way of opening the door to conversation. And relationships are so much about conversation, the importance of it. Another one is dating people that you know aren't right for you. You go back to the same kind of relationship, the same kind of toxic person, perhaps. That may come down to the value that you attach to yourself. It may come down to what you tell yourself. We're energy, folks. We are energy. And we, we bring that energy out in vibrations. 
And I've done some studying on this and I'm fascinated by it, but it's very true. What you think of yourself and the energy that you bring to a place or to a person is what they're going to feel. So if my energy is low, if I have no confidence in myself, or I keep telling myself that I, I'm going to be dating somebody that's always going to hurt me, this or that, you know, male or female, whatever you tell yourself, this person, I, I, they always cheat on me. They always do this. They always do that. What do you think that energy that you bring into meeting a potential partner is going to be? It's going to be that doubting that energy that you think that person is going to hurt you. And they're going to be attracted by that because that's the kind of person they are too. We meet each other on the energy level that we're at. And that's important to remember. So actually looking at ourselves from time to time, if, if we're not attracting the kind of partner that we want, or even the kind of job that we are, uh, that we're after, we have to sit down and do what's called self-examination. And that is taking a look at yourself and being brutally honest with yourself and saying, what must I do to attract this kind of person? What changes must I make? What must I exercise here? What must I believe in myself to attract this job or this person? Very, very important. Another one is trouble stating our needs and desires with family or friends, even at work. We feel that our voices don't matter or we're afraid of being judged. We're afraid that somebody might not like us because we're, well, we're stating our needs and desires. But can you imagine not doing that? Who are you hurting? You're hurting yourself and potentially the other person across from you because communication is so very important. And if you're feeling that in a new relationship, you're not stating your needs and desires, you think that's going to go away? No, it's not. Another one is blaming uh, or shaming ourselves in things that we've done in the past. We go back and we revisit, we say, oh man, Paul, you were so stupid in doing this. You were this, you were that. And oh boy, you hurt this person, you hurt that person. I'm blaming and shaming myself. Well, that's not a good thing to be doing to yourselves. And in fact, take a look at yourself. And if you've made those improvements in your life, if you're no longer that person, who are you blaming? You're blaming a past version of yourself. You're no longer that person. Be the person you are today. And if you're going to compare yourself to anybody, don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to the person that you were yesterday, six months ago. And if you're not that person, you're a better version of yourself. You're on your way. This is what needs to be done. Another thing is putting ourselves down. Those, those things that we tell ourselves, I can't do anything right. Why does this always happen to me? Nobody loves me. I won't make it. Why should I even try? I was reading somebody's post, a friend of mine on LinkedIn this morning, and she's out. Uh, she's taken this vacation so she can write a book. And this is her second book. Somebody came up to her. This woman said, how do you know that you're going to be able to write something good? I've had this book in me for 20 years, and I haven't written it because I don't think that I'm going to be able to I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I don't think it's going to be appreciated. And my friend looked at her and said, how do you know it's not going to be? How do you know, unless you try, unless you write it, how do you know how it's going to be received? So this woman sat 20 years with a book in her, always doubting that maybe it would not be appreciated as opposed to taking the action, writing the book and seeing where it goes. A lot of us take risks and those risks are rewarded. So a person who doesn't take risks won't get the rewards. 
So that's my little spiel this morning on uh, self-sabotage. I know that we're going to be uh, talking a lot more about it. And I see that Glenn has joined us, as has Dr. Norman and uh, Jacqueline. And I'd love to turn the microphone over to Glenn, then Dr. Norman and Jacqueline for introductions. So thank you so much. Over to you, Glenn, if you're there. Are you there, sir? And Glenn might be in his car. He's got a brand new car. I was talking to a good friend of his, Ken, um, earlier this week. Um, Dr. Norman, good morning, good afternoon. Are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. It's great to see you today, Paul. It's great to see all of you. Um, hi, I am um, happy to be here. I've been, um, I took a couple of weeks off. I have been unwell, but um, I'm healing and I'm happy to be here and, and be a part of this uh, family for as long as I, I can stay before my next patient. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's so nice to see you here, and uh, I, I wish you a complete uh, recovery as soon as possible. Um, glad to see that you're feeling better, so thank you for that. And Jacqueline, over to you. Good morning, everyone. So great to be here with you, and already with so many friends, Marie and Doug, Desiree, and so many more in the audience. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. My name is Jacqueline Way. I'm the founder of a charitable organization called 365 Give, and I'm looking forward to being here to support everyone um, on this beautiful journey we call life so that we can live possibly our best version of who we are while we're here. So thank you so much for having me, Paul and Dr. Norman. Nice to see you back. You have been missed. Back to you, Paul. Thank you. All right. So let's get started. Our first speaker will be Marae. Marae, it's always a joy to see you, and, and I'm glad that you found the room this morning. So over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, as soon as I uh, unplugged my phone, put it back on, there it was. Okay, I will make this brief. Okay, and thank you for everyone who's here. I was really waiting for Alini, but uh, I'll send her a note. Uh, what it is, is and I'm doing very, I've been doing very well with it, but doing it through my law of attraction, which has been my studies for 13 years or, or longer, actually, the spiritual way. But here's what it is in a nutshell. I've researched it. I have three very close people in my life who have been loving and supporting me. And what it is, I am living with a narcissist narcissistic human being. Um, I have looked and done as much soul searching as I can within myself and taken responsibility for number one, like Paul said, attracting, you know, um, but this has never happened to me before. Um, I've done my best. I've tried communicating. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Nope. They, they, she, she won't. She's a, she's a wonderful, fantastic uh, human being. I mean, she really is. And I didn't know this until after I had lived. She, well, she's been here for four months renting from a room in my house. And I wanted to call her a roommate, but I, I couldn't. She's, she's a renter. There's a, there is a difference. So I don't know what else I can do. I really don't. Uh, uh, I'm, 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 I'm all these horrible things. <laughs> and, I, and I know that it's not true. I wouldn't have the people in my life if, if, I, if I were. 
people like Jacqueline, people like Alini. They wouldn't be in my life full of love. I am full of love. That's all I want to do is give out love. And I know Dr. Norman knows that. I just want to give out uh, as much love as I can, not just the homeless, but anybody in a store smiling. I, is, 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 can anybody, uh, uh, can anyone advise me? Uh, I mean, I'm open. I'm open. I am definitely open to any advice. And as again, I wish Alini were here. Um, I'm just open to anything anybody can tell me. I don't know what else to do. The only thing I, I know is you must remove yourself from toxicity. And, you know, I, we all have faults. Of course I do. But I, I, I converse, I talk. I, you know, had the greatest marriage a, a woman could have until, you know, God took him away uh, three years ago. I mean, I know what beautiful relationships are. I know what beautiful friendships are. And I, and I give but I don't know what to do. So you know what, I'm gonna shut up and thank you anybody. I, I'm just open. Thank you everybody who can come forward and give me a little something. I know you're not supposed to tell people what to do. I know that, but I'm open to any, any suggestions that anyone has. And thank Re you. Yes, uh, Marae, Robert's gonna get us started out and then I think Jacqueline and King uh, want to join as well. So Robert, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Sure. Uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, Murray, thank you for sharing that. I know it's hard to ch share. You, you do sound, I've, I've listened to you now for a number of months here, and you do have a big, big heart. It's, it, there's no doubt about it. But sometimes I think that people have such a big heart that they have difficulty making decisions that are good for themselves, but might have uh, consequences for someone else that might not be quite as good. But sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to make a decision to move on from a situation from people. And since this appears to be your home and she's renting from you and creating huge toxicity in your, in your home, I'm just curious to know why if the time has come that you might just ask her to leave. Um, sometimes we have to do that. And I know it's hard, it's not easy, but- I uh, have, I have, I have. I have. Ah, okay, so um, is, is she refusing to leave or uh, no. what's, uh, oh, what's no, the situation? No, she's moving out the fifth, she was supposed to move out the first. And uh, in fact, this happened about a month and a half ago and she said, I'm moving out. And she gave me notice, I said, okay, I wish you all the happiness. You know, I, those were my words. Okay, and then something we got. Th th it, there's a routine here. We, she, she becomes nice. I've done a lot of research on a narcissistic human being, and this they have habit patterns, and I know what they are. They're nice. They're this. They're that. And then boom, you, 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 you walk on eggshells because you, you're afraid any second you might make a mistake, or, or they, they, they take it the wrong way, and they scream and yell at you, and then they say horrible things about you. And I don't believe it. Of course, I don't. But, but thank you. Uh, so I take it then that, that she is in fact moving out now? I hope to God, yes. She's, she's, she's house sitting for a place for four years, a very wealthy place. And God bless her and send her on her way. I just, but I, I you know what, I wanna look into myself. Like Paul said, we attract. I attract great people in my life. I really do. People at grocery stores that help me. People at, at my T-Mobile who help me. I mean, I am, I am the luckiest person in the world. I attract 
really fantastic human beings in my life. I do, because that's who I am, okay? I honor who I am, but I don't know. I don't know what I did here. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Um, love what you said. It's having the hard conversations, and it sounds like Marae has. So we're going to go over to Jacqueline, uh, who was uh, wanting to speak on this as well. Jacqueline. Marae, my beautiful friend. You know, I, I love you've brought this up, and what I love most is that you are looking at it as an opportunity to learn about yourself. And if everyone took that approach to their lives, that in every difficult circumstances, and especially interaction with other people, we took this as an opportunity to learn um, how much we would each and all grow. And so first of all, I wanna commend you on that for taking a look at it this way. It sounds like you're already in the position that you're resolving this in regards to actually physically living with her. So that's amazing, congratulations. Um, make sure that that doesn't keep getting extended because I think that's one of the things that we, you may see is that, you know, we're supposed to be gone in the first and then going in two weeks and then it gets extended again. Just watch that, that it doesn't continue um, and make sure you have a very clear deadline for yourself, how long you're willing to extend that. And the other thing I wanted to share with you, just because we have heard you here enough, as I remember when you were waiting to find that perfect roommate, right? And the struggles that you were having finding someone to come in and be part of your home with you. And that's where I would go back and take a look for yourself. Because I remember in that search that you were doing and trying to find a really good fit for you, there was also some worry. There was some financial concern. There was some, is somebody going to come? Is the right person going to come? There was a lot of stress you had along that and around that. So I want you to go back and look right from the very beginning of that process and potentially what you were attracting before you even, even met this person. Were you coming from that place of the right person is going to come? I am abundant in my life and everything will come in divine timing to be taken care of. So just take a look at that part for you. We know that you're a remarkable human being and absolutely lovely. But for us to learn, we have to be able to zoom out far enough to look at all of the connection points that led you to this moment, who this person is, why they're with us, what we can learn about ourselves in it, as you were saying, and then how we can choose differently in our next steps. So I'm just going to invite you to maybe zoom out and take a look at that piece. And as you move to find a new roommate, a compatible roommate, someone that's really going to enrich and enhance your life and you're going to be compatible living together, that you're coming from that place of regulation and love as you do and putting that out to the world moving forward. I hope that helps a little bit, my friend. Um, it's easier when it's coming, when somebody else can stand back and see the process that you had undergone. Thank Back you, my you, friend. Man. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, we're going to go over to King. Hi, Murray. Um, I just wanted to double check because I, uh, Robert already, I think, clarified, but are you under any concern that she might not move out? Uh, mm, no. I, I, feel, I okay. feel she will because she feels I am so horrible. I'm so awful. I'm so all okay. of these things. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I, what what I would do just in case is if there's anything like if you've 
only spoken to her about this, and I don't, depending on sort of what the legality is in your situation, if, if written notice has to be done, I'd make sure that whatever legal kind of quasi legal steps need to be taken, make sure you kind of do that as well. So if you have to provide written notice, do that just in case, because while you do sound sure, there is still, when you, as you're like, eh, you know, so there, that sounds like there, there might be just a little bit doubt. And uh, so as always, you know, trust, but verify. And so just in case you do have to take that additional step, just to make your life okay, a little well, easier. Thank you, King. I have the email. I have the text. Oh, perfect, that she, perfect. That she sent me, though, that she sent me. I will be moving out the 15th. And then she put thank you. And I was, okay. I was very happy that she put thank you because that's the nicest thing she said to me. <laughs> perfect. And the other thing to remember, too, is just because you can't live with someone, it doesn't make you a bad person. And it's not a, you know, it's not necessarily a negative thing. Because one thing I remember, I've seen so many friends of mine, even including myself, like, when you live with a friend, like I, I live with one of my best friends. Oh my God, I want to kill him. Like I just, <laughs> like so I mean, eventually we had to <laughs> not live together anymore just so we could remain friends because yeah. as friends, we're fantastic. But, you know, and but just living together is a completely different beast. And so things get very, very different. So don't beat yourself up over the fact that you can't live with this person. It's not your fault. It, you know, may not, may not be their fault. It's, it's just that Living with someone, and similar to traveling with someone, I mean, the first time, I mean, I've seen couples that were great together and then they traveled together and next thing you know, they're on the edge of breakup because they're just, there's just so many different dynamics to come into play. And so once again, don't beat yourself up over things that you have no control over. You can't control, you know, how, how you like to live in your, in your home. You can't control how they behave in their home. And obviously this person, you know, misrepresented themselves to some degree. So, I mean, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up over that. And these, and, and in the grander scheme of things, once she moves out, she'll be a, you know, an afterthought and maybe even someday you guys can even become friends. I mean, that might just happen as well. So in the meantime, don't, look for reasons to blame yourself for things that were had nothing to do with you. I mean, or that there are things that don't really matter in the grander scheme of life. And you will, you, you know, and the next person that comes hopefully will be that great, you know, roommate that, uh, that you were looking for and you just move on. And so, so Murray, you're, you're a great person. You know, it, you do a lot of great things in this world. And I, you know, I've seen your Instagram, you're always helping people. And, and, and once again, some people just can't be, helped i guess we'll call it so so don't don't worry about that it's not on you it's on them they have to want to receive your help so if you're you know your tenant right now is going through something that's making them act like this well you know you've tried and you know they they will be fine they will be fine they just unfortunately they just um their path of getting to fineness doesn't involve living with you yeah, so no, just keep thank, that in thank you king um no i've done my research this person is a narcissist Okay, she's narcissistic. She's, I've done I've done so much research, and I have a very dear friend who's helped me with this. And they say, and I know what I'm not going to go through it. There's many other speakers here, but I I know what it says to do when living with a narcissistic human being. You can't. They're never wrong. You can't change them. You can't even communicate. You can't. There's no conversation. No. Anyway, I won't go through this, but I. This is what I'm living with. I'm living with that kind of person. So what I've done, I've removed myself, I've detached myself, and I pray on it, and I wish them, I would wish them nothing but the, the best. And this person also is an 
isn't well physically. And if I would have known about their illness when they moved here, when they moved in, I never would have allowed it. All right. Yes. Yeah, we're, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to uh, go to Dr. Norman, and uh, I see that Doug is also unmuted. So uh, over to Dr. Norman, because uh, I can feel your pain right now. So Dr. Norman, over to you, sir. Murray, it's good to see you this morning, and uh, thank you for your share. I do believe you when you say that you've learned everything or much of what you can about narcissistic personality traits. And I, I hear your words very carefully, and you know I listen to your words. I want you to hear them as well. It's not just about your roommate, because you can get a PhD on narcissistic personality disorder, and you still have some other small piece to work on. So that is that you now can do a little research on yourself. And that's what I think some of the other speakers were getting at. What I mean is, listen to your own words. You said, I don't know what I did here. Those were your words regarding her. You'll never know what you did here. What's important is not to make this about you. You're right. The, the books that you're reading are teaching you to, to detach with love and compassion and also to make sure you speak in a certain pithy, concise manner. You've read all the books. I want you to add to that 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 connect collection of important things. I want you to add to that, this is not about me. Because when we make it about ourselves, we feel sorry for ourselves. And you only have one choice here. You can feel sorry for her that she's as troubled as she is or you can feel sorry for yourself that you have a roommate that's troubled, but you can't have both. And with all due respect and tremendous love, you're feeling sorry for yourself as well as for her. And the more you feel sorry for yourself, the more the narcissistic person inside of her is enjoying and winning the, this, this, this game. I want you to have compassion and mercy on the fact that she's a troubled, sick human being. And when you experience the charm, which you say you've read about in your books, please know the charm is part of the pain. For you, the charm is a dopamine hit. You feel better. You think there's a reprieve. Maybe we can get along now. For her, the charm is just a defensive structure at not being eviscerated. Her only goal is not to be abandoned. So charm is not charm. Charm is just another technique. So it's important that you take a look at yourself, not at your roommate. What is it that gets me to perhaps weaken my boundaries? Which boundaries do I have to put into place that are not there just now? What about her behavior makes me feel better about myself? All of that I've got to be clear on because Marae, she's going to move out. Whether you are ever her friend again, that's your choice. But as she stays until she moves out, she needs the utmost compassion. If she had cancer, you would have compassion for her plight. I want you to think of her narcissism as cancer in her psyche. Instead of being angry with her, and you have a right to be, I want you to be sad for her, but not sad for yourself. You're learning so much through this very, very difficult test. You're taking the advanced placement class, the AP class, but you're going to pass and you're going to learn, but it's not, it's not about you. I hope you get that. 
thank you, and I do, and I have nothing but compassion for this human being. I I do, and I wish her I wish her the best. I wish her love. I wish her everything great. I just don't choose to be around this kind of a toxic relationship. Thank you, Dr. Norman. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Uh, Doug, did you want to add something to this conversation, Doug? Sure, yeah. Mariah, it's lovely to hear your voice as always. We've uh, exchanged some lovely exchanges on Instagram, voice to voice, and it's great to hear you here. And I know that you, you I, I, I always have this acronym, I think I might have said it to you before as well, in terms of uh, narcissists can mean, and it's not in your case, but it can mean neglected awareness reflecting conditionings in suppressed self, instigating soul transition. And what I mean by that is sometimes the hardest people that come into our lives, the worst people, the one that wind us up to the absolute hilt, are potentially the ones that help us to grow and become a better version of ourselves or become more emotionally intelligent to deal with these kind of people in the future as well. So I always say, look, take get the, the game of life as a game and look at this and say to yourself, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm a, an evolved soul and maybe this lady's come in because I want to test myself to the ultimate to see if I can get through all this crap and still come out the other side as the best version of myself. So look at her as your PlayStation game, your test, your fun. And every single time you have one of those interactions that you think, bloody hell, not another one. Just say, okay, let's play the game. What am I learning here? And take yourself out of your emotion, out of the situation, look back down and from the 10th floor as the observer and look down as the godlike self of yourself and say, bless this soul. What am I learning here? How can I grow here? And what can I actually utilize here maybe to help other people in some way or form? Gamify it, make it fun in, in, a, in a kind of a way. Dr. Norman, I saw you flashing. Did you want to uh, add something to that? Just want to say, Doug, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you for that. I got to say, too, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I know that in, in, in my studies and with my law of attraction, through every bit of pain that you go through, the other side, it, you are growing and you are learning. And I know there is a lesson here. I haven't quite found out what it is yet, but I will because I know everything that is pain is a lesson. And I am open for the lesson. And thank you, everyone. Thank you. I really appreciate everyone coming forth. Thank you. Well, thank you, Murray, for that uh, share and for asking that question. And Robert, thank you very much for what you said, uh, as well as uh, King, Jacqueline, Dr. Norman, Doug. Wow. Um, I've had a masterclass here on this very topic, and I love the uh, approaches that everybody has shared here. Is there anything uh, more that you wanted to add, Murray, before I tuck you gently back into the audience, or are you good? Okay. You, can you can tuck me back, and I'm going to be exercising outdoors now, happily and lovingly listen to, listening to everyone. This is my favorite room on Clubhouse. I think I've told you that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to be turning the microphone over to Glenn. And uh, Glenn, so glad to have you here. Uh, good day, sir. Are you available to speak and to introduce yourself? I am indeed, Paul. I'm a little slow on the unmute button today, apparently. Good to hear you. Good to hear everyone here. Dr. Norman, uh, I'm going to go find something wrong just so you can fix it. <laughs> you are so, so spot on. Thank you. So, so I say to you, I won't fix it. But I'll, sit, but, but I'll sit with you lovingly as you fix You'll it. You'll sit so. with me while I fix it. Yes, I'm with you. Which brings me to what I wanted to say to Moray, which is, Moray, I, I, 
Well, if she's already disappeared, she can't really respond. To well, the hold audience, on. I'll, but I'll I was invite going her to... back up, Glenn. Hold on. Or you can continue speaking. But yes. Yeah, no, what I wanted to ask more, Ray, I mean, I was going to ask her how she would counsel herself. I was going to ask her what, what she thought she should say to herself. What do you want to say to you to step outside of your body and look at the entirety of the situation and see what kind of counsel you might find within? Because there are a number of efforts to find counsel externally, and that's beautiful. There's everything right with that, but not at the exclusion of ignoring your own counsel. Because I, I hold the belief I have for my entire life that somewhere, anywhere from deep within us to right on the surface, varying from person to person, is an infinitely wise soul that resides within us all, that has answers, that has solutions, and doesn't bring problems, but has solutions. And when we don't commune with that soul, we get into challenges, and we get into hardships. But when we trust that there is a place within us that knows, then we can seek counsel from within and from without, both places. And I was just curious about that. One of the things that, that I've noticed, and I'm not sitting here with a score pad, by the way, but I've listened because listening is what I do for a living. I listen and I replicate human behavior. That's, that's my business. And I listen very closely because uh, the specifics come out of the details, the little, the little nuances that vary from person to person. And one of the things I notice is that a lot of times you will laugh about something that's quite serious. Something, and I think that there is going on there an attempt to somehow minimize it or not, and may not be intentional, but to not make it such a big deal. And, and maybe, maybe actually it is a big deal. And maybe it deserves a new level of seriousness and or possibly reverence in the matter. Um, and several times, even today, when you would say something about, I'm a good person, I really am, as though the first statement of that was not enough as though it needed to be followed up to, to you know, so it, it, it feels to me like there is some doubt within you that you hold in your heart for others, that there is a part of you that expects others to doubt you or to not fully get who it is you really esteem yourself to be. Therefore, there is more than one statement with regard to, you know, I want her out, pause, I really do. And I would love for you to understand that your word is your wand and once is enough. I think it's very difficult for people to believe you if you don't believe you. And I just, just want to offer that, that I think when we speak twice or three times in a matter, maybe we've run into some sort of stubbornness within us that maybe we feel we need to reinforce it with multiple statements about the same thing, but, or again, chuckle, 
when it's far more serious than that and maybe the chuckle is designed to let everyone know, I mean, I've got this, everything's good. Ha 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 ha. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. And maybe slowing down and taking a breath and breathing in this new moment. Because newness is afforded us every day unless we take a stand against receiving it. This is a new day. It's a new moment. It's a new opportunity to behave differently and perceive differently. It's a new opportunity to have things become fresh and different if we choose to have them be that way. But if we continue to engage as we always have, it's certainly not shocking that we continue to create for ourselves the same results we always have. So a new approach, a new manner of processing, and even a new expectation. You know, it's interesting that we don't always get what we want, but more often than not, we do tend to get what we expect. In mental, uh, in metaphysics, which I've been uh, a student of since I was 14, there's an expression called mental equivalency and known as ME. And what ME stands for is that until we hold the mental equivalent of the thing we desire in life, we will keep it away from our experience. In other words, it can't manifest until we hold the space for it to do so. So when we are equal to something in consciousness, we experience it. We won't experience it. Excuse me, let me say that. Until we are equal to it in consciousness that we won't experience. And goal setting is a huge thing in life. We hear it in wellness communities. We hear it in psychology. Certainly, I've been teaching on this subject for many years, and I'll land my plane with this thought. My multiple planes. It appears I've taken several flights in this share. But the idea that instead of using the word goal, I find it so much more helpful to say it is my nature. So in the matter of love, for example, it is my goal to be more loving. Well, how noble that sounds. No, it's my nature to be loving. It's not my goal. It's my nature. It's who I am. It is my nature to be healthy. It is my nature to be prosperous. It is my nature to be well. It is my nature for things to go smoothly. It is my nature. It is my nature. It is my nature. My nature is eminently acceptable, accessible as well. It's both acceptable and accessible. And my nature is right here, right now. It is always with me. It never escapes me. Whereas a goal is something outside of me that I have to go find or fetch. And I've been coaching on this for many, many years to very, very large crowds of people who approached me afterward and said that changed my life today. To start stating it is my nature. It is my nature. And I'll leave you with that thought and let you chew on that. Thank you, darling. And uh, boy, Thank I really hear... Thank you. I hear what you Thank feel. You, I hear what you're feeling. Thank you, honey. Glenn. You're welcome. And everything you said about my nature, guess what? It is my nature. And I affirm that. And thank you for helping me reaffirm who I am. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn, so very much. You are entirely welcome, Love honey. You. 
love to you, Glenn. Love to you. Thank you. Right back at you, darling. Much love your way and much love and restoration. Restoration is a huge word. And uh, I want I want to invite the entire planet to breathe in the breath of restoration. That was a master class, and I so appreciate it. Uh, there was a question in there earlier on that I would like to turn over to you, Murray. Glenn asked what you were going to tell yourself. We can get all kinds of information from outside sources, uh, teachers, instructors, friends, supporters, and it will mean nothing unless we don't speak to ourselves in the same way and tell ourselves what it is that we're going to do. So in all that, the several planes that you took, Glenn, they were all amazing because they got us to where we want to be. And sometimes we have to take those connecting flights in order to get the answer that we are looking for. The one thing that stood out for me uh, among everything that you said uh, was really what Marae is prepared to tell herself, having been given this information. What is it, Marae, that you are going to tell yourself in this uh, in this episode? Because yes, it could be a game. It is a learning experience. It is something that we have to work with. So what are you prepared to tell yourself in this coming week that might help you get to where you want to be? Uh, I'm going to, and I have, and I've, everything that Glenn said to do, I had already done. I looked inside myself. I did. I wouldn't be a law of attraction student for 14, 15 years if I hadn't done that and I received many answers. I'm going back to the drawing board and look some more, but I know who I am and I know what I give. And the one thing I learned through this is I didn't set up boundaries. And that tells me something about myself. And I'm going to look deeper maybe even sit with a piece of paper with a with a tablet a piece of paper or whatever and write things down but i know who i am and i know what i give to others and i know what i do and i've been very fortunate because i get i receive so many oh, beautiful things back from other human beings Murray, i yes. just want to I, I just want to interrupt just for a moment here because uh, we got to get going but i want to say this you didn't really answer my question it's nice to sit down and do the work uh, with a piece of paper which i've done uh, when i'm examining my life but what i ask specifically is what you're going to tell yourself about this situation are you going to look at it doug mentioned looking at it um, as a learning experience as did uh, dr norman and glenn and robert and everybody who's contributed what are you going to tell yourself that will help you to move past this and to feel better i'm going to it? tell myself that this is a learning experience a chance for me to grow as a human being and to validate also who I am and what I stand for and the people that I've attracted in my life that are magnificent and some are in this room today. That's what I was after right there and I think we should unmute and applaud that guys. What do you think? That's a come on with it. Come on with it. Guy Marai. Guy Marai. All right. Thank you, Marai. So thank you very, very much and for everybody who's contributed. Um, so yeah, uh, 
I'm just, is there anything else that you wanted to add before I go to King for a reset? But uh, anything that you wanted to add to the conversation, Mariah? Yes, I'm very grateful. Thank you. We're very grateful for you having come up and, and shared that. Uh, Dr. Norman, I saw you on mute. Did you want to add something? No, no, that was a mistake, but I'm grateful. I'm, I'm happy you're grateful, Murray. Good work. Good yes, work. good work, good work. Thank you, Murray. Over to uh, King. Are you available to do a reset of the room, sir? Indeed. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, and welcome to everyone to the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage Room. And of course, this room happens every Saturday at noon Eastern time and has been going on since January of 2021. So thank you so much to everyone who has made this room a success, everyone who keeps coming every single week, and of course, all the amazing moderators who come and selflessly donate their time and their you know efforts in making this room a success and also helping all the amazing people that have come through here and I've definitely learned a lot from that so thank you so much for that and of course this room is hosted by the take control of your life club so if you aren't already a member of the club tap the greenhouse above my head and become a member and I'm just amazed I just checked and we're over 12,000 amazing fabulous members in there and that is just a number that I is is kind of boggling to me as well too because when we first started it was i still remember the days when it was just five members so absolutely fantastic so thank you so much but if you are a member you'll be notified whenever we do run this and other rooms so definitely make sure that you become a member and uh, for now i've turned off the hand raising because we do try to keep this room at about two hours in length and just to be respectful of everyone's time because everyone does volunteer their time to be here and so we've turned off hand raising for now if we do have extra time, perhaps we might turn it back on. But of course, the room chats are open. So if you have any questions or comments that you do want to share, you can still participate by putting them in the room chat. And I thank everyone who's been very active back there. We we do read them. So thank you very much. And um, if uh, you do want to come up on stage, I just recommend that you come back and join us next week and get your hand up sooner rather than later. And um, We'll bring you up as soon as we possibly can next week. So make sure you come in and raise up your hand. And to everyone that's on stage, I promise we will get to you as soon as we can. So I thank you so much for your patience. And of course, finally, for everyone in the room, I would say if you're if you're on Clubhouse, you know, make sure you're making connections here. So take a look around the room and uh, read everyone's bios. And especially, you know, my fantastic moderators up here are all amazing people because Clubhouse uses these connections that you have, the rooms you go into, the clubs you belong to, and the, it uses that to decide what kinds of you know things to show you, what kinds of things to recommend to you. And if you're going to be here on Clubhouse, you might as well make it the best possible time. So give people a follow if someone's story resonates with yours, If uh, you know, so that way you can get to know them better. And of course, if there is someone that you do really resonate with, make sure you follow them off the platform as well. So follow them on Instagram, follow them on Twitter, because it gives you a chance to get to know them better, to make a deeper connection there, and also be able to reach out to them if you need to um, on those platforms because I know if uh, if you're like me I don't always see the messages that I get here on Clubhouse because unless this person uh, is, is someone that you follow it doesn't end in your regular mailbox and you have to check your um, alternate mailbox there so uh, so make sure you give them a follow on other socials as well and finally of course um, where, where was I going with that I suddenly lost my train of thought so um, I Perhaps it was something that I can address at some other point. But with that, I just want to once again thank everyone for coming and joining. Thank you so much. We couldn't do this room without you. And um, hope you enjoy the rest of the room. And with that, Paul, I'm going to hand things back over to you. 
Well, thank you so much, King. Yeah, I, I hate when that happens, when you're talking about something, then all of a sudden uh, you lose your train of thought, which, which happens from time to time. So thank you. If you're just joining us, uh, we have had a tremendous conversation so far uh, that has included the topics of narcissism, what we tell ourselves, having those difficult conversations, and really asserting ourselves and reminding ourselves that we matter and that our feelings matter. And sometimes it's a matter of, uh, as Robert mentioned, uh, we're afraid of hurting somebody else's feelings at the expense of our own. But uh, we've had this amazing conversation so far. Uh, I was hoping that Desiree, uh, Desiree, there we go. Desiree was off the phone, but it looks like she's on. So I'm going to come back to Paul, Desiree. I remember what I was going to say, if I can. Uh, oh, okay. Sure. There. Maybe Desiree would be back by the time I uh, I, I finish this. But I was just going to ask everyone, you know, if you could do us a favor and just share the room, whether you share it here on Clubhouse or share it Twitter or on your socials, just because it does help get the word out there about all the great things that uh, are happening in this room. And it does help us also to uh, continue engaging with our audiences as well. So if you could share the room at the bottom and also ping in anyone that you think might be interested in the conversation as well. So that was just what I forgot to uh, mention. So Paul, back over to you. You bet. Thank you. And one thing that Glenn mentioned uh, that was so very important is what we tell ourselves. It is in my nature. It is my nature. It is my nature. And uh, let's, let's remind us it can change our lives. What we tell ourselves, we really can change our lives. Robert, did you want to add something? Yeah, I just wanted uh, Glenn at the appropriate time, if he could expand on a principle he also mentioned in his superb share, that our word is our bond. And this is something that I have believed and lived for a long time. Um, the, the notion that, that what we say, what we speak is our truth, is, is, uh, and that we really undermine our credibility um, when we repeat ourselves over and over again, uh, people begin to tune out. So at the right, at the appropriate time, I know Glenn, whatever Glenn says, he has a wealth of knowledge in the background. At the appropriate time, I really would appreciate if Glenn could expand on that notion of our word is our bond and uh, that to, to repeat ourselves is often uh, self-defeating. That's uh, all I wanted to add, Paul. Yeah, and Robert, specifically to be clear, while I agree, that our word is our bond, that's not what I said. I chose a word that rhymes with it, and what I said is, my word is my wand. My wand. Which Very simply good. means that I am speaking it into existence as I wave it over my life. And so, if I'm having to repeat things, then I'm speaking doubt into it, or I'm concerned that someone else might not receive me fully. And the more I say yes to that, the more likely it is that they won't. And when I start speaking singularly and powerfully with tremendous conviction, you know, I, I coach on conviction a lot with my actors, the idea that people are moved by people of great conviction. When you have huge conviction behind your words, then uh, you become quite quite powerful and the power is experienced mostly between us and us because we start believing us uh, when we are repeating things multiple times sometimes there's something within us that can go off that says maybe I don't entirely believe that so uh, that's why I'm 
I'm really a, I'm really a believer in my word is my wand. Mm, thank you. Doug, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say, I love what Glenn says. And um, I actually, I, I, something similar that I say is that the sentences we say are sometimes the sentences we condemn ourselves and others to as well. And exactly what Glenn is saying in terms of, I'm not a religious man, but in the Bible it says something like, you know, man, man cannot live in bread alone, but by the word he can live and die by. And it also says the, the Lord's word is flawless. And I believe that when you're connected to your true self, your heart self, you're almost connected to God. So what you say needs to be very much creating what you want rather than what you don't want in terms of I hope nots and I hope this doesn't happen and so on. So use your words wisely to use those sentences to create what you want rather than condemning yourself and others too. And actually I have just a couple of examples of how it actually happened to me. When I was 16, my mum said to me, Doug, make sure you put your coat on, otherwise you might catch pneumonia. And I caught pneumonia. My dad said I was a pain in the back. I broke my back when I was 18. He said I was a pain in the neck. I knocked a vertebra out of place playing hockey one time. And uh, a pain in the arse as well. And I had two operations there. So again, the sentence he said condemned me to those issues, if that makes sense. So be very careful about what you say. And uh, you can create what you want rather than what you don't want. I'll leave it there. <laughs> I love it. Okay, thank you. My word is my wand. I love that too. And we shouldn't have to wave it or smack somebody in the head with it. Once we wave it, it should be enough. And it comes down to what we tell ourselves and what we believe in ourselves so much. And so thank you for this great conversation. I'm going to, I see that Desiree, regrettably, she was on the phone and sometimes it kicks us off. But when she comes back in, we'll invite her right back up. We're gonna go over to Michelle, who's been waiting patiently on the stage. Michelle, welcome, are you there? Flash your mic if you are, unmute, there you go. <laughs> welcome, it's over to you. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for this room. Um, it's one of the only times I come on Clubhouse on the weekend is to hop into this room. And there's been so many wonderful gems shared today. Uh, my question today is, um, and I probably know the answer, but it's more to get confirmation. Um, so I uh, received an email from an old ex. Um, that I haven't talked to for, oh gosh, uh, since 2009. So it's over 10 years. And um, I guess I, it was just out of the blue. And I was like, what the heck? Um, I, and part of me was like, I no, I'm just not gonna, I'm gonna say no, I'm not available. Because he was saying that he was going to be at a conference next month um, in the city. And if I was around, he'd want to catch up. And I have absolutely no interest in doing that. But I struggle um, with this where um, I second guess my boundaries because I grew up with porous boundaries and kind of um, fits with what we were talking about earlier about not wanting to hurt somebody's feelings. But in this case, it's more about did I make the right decision and I, am I being the bad person by am I being petty by saying, no, I don't want, I have no interest in, um, in talking to you. Um, and I, I just, I always question whether I'm the one that's being harsh or petty or, um, the quote unquote bad person in the situation. Um, and I know where that comes from. I, I that's the, my family of origin, but, um, just wondering if there's any advice on that, um, 
And I think just wanted confirmation that, no, I have the right to say, no, I'm not really not interested. And um, it doesn't make me uh, somehow um, ungrateful or about, because quite frankly, uh, because of something that he said, into, which is why we broke up, I chose not to date since then, because I just was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not even going to open myself up to that kind of stuff. And I'm very different now than I was then. And I think I would be I think I know that I'm stronger than I was then, but I still don't want to open myself up to talking to him. So um, hopefully that makes sense. and I'm going to land my plane there. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're going to go to Dr. What a great, great uh, scenario that you've provided us here with Michelle. We're going to go over to Dr. Norman and then over to Jacqueline. But um, wow, I love this conversation so far. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for your honest uh, and and very candid communication. I, I really just wanted to start by asking you, and you know, you don't have to answer, but I am, I am curious. Maybe you can answer it to yourself if you don't want to answer it to me. What is wrong with with being bad? And by the way, I'm not saying that it's okay to be bad. I'm asking you to ask yourself, what would be so wrong if I did something that was bad? And the reason I ask that is because I'm not sure that the way you define good and bad is the same way that we would in an ethical world. It may be more from your family of origins definition of good and bad. But please remember that when we individuate, which is a fancy jargon term for really emancipating ourselves emotionally from the entanglements of our childhood credos and values that no longer serve us, we then may not be doing something bad, we're just doing something different. I want you to be able to discern between the two. Not contacting him may not be bad, although it may be bad in the credo of your childhood lessons, but it may be good in terms of self-preservation and safety for your own developing ego. Please help yourself define what you mean because i do not and i'll help you here i do not believe that no contact is bad if its goal is for you to maintain a healthy future and so i beg you to consider that when we are raised in a home where we are given information that doesn't necessarily fit with us we are con and we don't process it we are condemned to reenact it in future relationships I want you to find a way to disentangle yourself so that you don't have to, from those days, so you don't have to be condemned to re-entangle yourself as an adult. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Jacqueline, over to you. How beautiful was that? Um, the brilliance of Dr. Norman picking up the words that we don't always hear ourselves saying. Michelle, um, you know, I'm going to pose another question at you as well is, you know, at a time in this relationship with this person, and as you, as you just stated to us, the reason you've chosen not to be in relationships, did he ever hold a power over you? Did he ever influence you into behavior or doing things that you were not comfortable with? Were you able to stand in? your truth as glenn was just talking about be who you truly were in this relationship 
without being judged or potentially condemned or told to act a different way. And if any of those apply to you and you do not have to answer them publicly, but if any of those are applying to you, is he still somehow holding some power over you that you would go back and question this decision within yourself? I heard from you that your instant gut reaction was absolutely not. And, you know, as Glenn was saying here earlier to Murray is, you know, are you listening? You know, and where's that voice coming from? Where did that, did that come from your gut? Did that come from your heart that this would not be a healthy hookup for you? And look at that piece of where that was coming from. Because when we start really listening to the guidance of our heart, and we start listening to that voice that's guiding us towards the right thing for you. So in this case, what's the next best step for you? Is it to go meet up with him? I have exes I would love to have time with, that I've made sure that I have ended my relationships in a healthy, strong way, and could I get together with them for a drink and just sit down and reminisce about life? Absolutely. But do I really wanna spend my precious time, my life, those moments, whether it's an hour or two hours, is that how I want to spend my beautiful, precious time in this lifetime, rehashing something that does not serve me? So I'm just going to leave that with you and answer those questions for yourself and see what comes up for you. Because two hours of my time is super precious to me. And I don't want to spend it with people that don't serve it. Thanks so much. Back over to you, Paul. I'm going to send it right over to Dr. Allison, um, who is going to speak next. Such wonderful wisdom from Dr. Norman and Jacqueline. Desiree, um, my heart goes out to you. Um, I can feel the conflict in your voice. And, you know, Jacqueline brought up such a wonderful point that, um, you know, there might be a feeling that there's no power over you, but you're saying that you're not going to go forward with any relationships. And, of course, there's time to heal, and we don't want to jump into one necessarily um, before we're ready. But as Jacqueline asked you to question, um, is he controlling me by somehow disallowing me to move forward? Because just because one relationship was unhealthy doesn't mean that the next one will not be an amazing opportunity for growth and love and development. And so are you shortchanging yourself due to some, you know, semblance um, a tentacle of control somehow that he still has. And I don't mean it as directing your behavior, but in a way it is directing behavior because when you shut yourself off and a lot of times we take time to heal, you know, and everyone's different. Some people jump immediately into a next relationship and some people, you know, wait, but you know, if he's still occupying rent in your head and he's not paying the bill, you know, what I mean is he's taking up space in your head from disallowing you to move forward, then as Jacqueline and Dr. Norman so beautifully said, it's time to reflect on, is he truly out? And, and is anyone ever going to be out? You know, Marianne Williamson talks about relationships as they're not these finite, this is an end and it's never going to matter. People impact us even decades later. And sometimes, you know, we think about what we learned in the relationship. We look back, we, re we consider our actions in hindsight and, and not in a judgmental way, but in a, 
a curious way and and it helps inform us to what we're doing right now in this moment and what we might want to do the next time and putting all these things in perspective it seems like um, you have such a good grasp on um, the healing process and what you need but i'm concerned about when you move forward making sure that you're able to without you know these the added protection you know some people go into their next relationship completely defensive and i'm not going to do this and no one's going to do this and no one's going to get the better of me and then unfortunately sometimes we shortchange ourselves or cut ourselves off from a next potentially loving relationship or interaction that might be something that could be so beneficial to us so i i would just pour so much compassion into yourself for what you've been through um, so much love and acceptance into yourself and give yourself big hugs, look yourself in the mirror. And as Louise Hayes likes to say, I love and accept myself exactly for who I am, where I am right now in this moment. And maybe opening your, your arms up to the universe and just saying, I am ready for whatever is next for me. And I allow everything that is not for me to be released from me. Um, hope that helps. Mm, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Allison. Doug, over to you. Yeah, I just wanted to say, look, you know, I, I keep in touch with all of my ex-girlfriends, apart from one, um, which I'd love to keep in touch with her, but um, she doesn't want to because she finds it too hard to, she doesn't keep in touch with any of hers. Um, and what I did when I broke up with her, because I was absolutely devastated, I loved her with all of my heart, and I have to say, I did call her a narcissist to begin with, and then I thought to myself, that's pointing the finger and when I point the finger there's three pointing back at me so I need to have a look at myself and what I did was I had a look at all my self-aware flaws, triggers, traumas and parental pro programs and then I had a look at hers as well and added them to the list and I also then had a look at five people in my life and I included my mum and my dad and had a look at their flaws and their triggers and the things that hold them back and the things I didn't like about them as well and then I saw if there was any commonality between those five people and add them to the list and then I asked someone who was quite testing my life to tell me what they saw in me that they didn't like as well. So I had a comprehensive list of everything. But particularly focusing on the ones that I saw in her, I then focused on all of those and I claimed them as mine. And I actually spoke out loud with, I have a coach, and spoke out loud with that coach, you know, saying, I am at times not actively listening to other people, but I accept that and I'm willing to change. And I went through all of them. And then at the end, I ripped out a piece of paper, threw it into a bin, or you know, you can burn it, whatever you want, and then rewrote the list in I am positive opposites. And actually, having heard Glenn earlier on, I'd now say instead of I am always listening with love and understanding the other person's perspective, I would say my nature is that I am, and then say that as well, because I think that was fantastic, Glenn, by the way. So I think if you can do that and truly claim all those things, hopefully then, because I often say that you know the word partner and parent have the same letters, except there's an extra R in partner. So it's almost like we replay the parent relationship that we went through with either our father or our mum, attracting similar people into our lives to replay those you know suppressed emotions at the back of the heart the subconscious that we need to heal and it's amazing when you do use that awareness technique and heal them and let go of them it's amazing how you next time you might create a love rather than a lesson with the next partner that comes into your life so have confidence and maybe meet with this guy because maybe the universe or whatever you want to call it is sending him back in to allow you to go in there and stand in your own self your inner power and realize what a wonderful person you are and that next time you're going to attract a love rather than a lesson. I'll leave it there. Thanks, Doug. I just want to let you know that you are slipping 
just in and out of the matrix. We caught about 99% of what you were saying, but you're just at the verge of slipping right into the matrix. Uh, Michelle, did this help you? Um, yeah, um, I was sitting over here bawling, mm. <laughs> um, especially after, uh, Dr. Norman was talking because, and Jacqueline, um, yeah, it's interesting because I had not thought of him as having power over me still because, um, what happened was he told me that, um, he didn't find me physically attractive, but that he found my faith, phys- um, my faith attractive and he still wanted to date me. And I was like, um, hell no. And he, and he didn't understand why I was hurt and why I didn't want to continue the relationship. Um, and, um, and I thought because I did stand up for myself and say, well, absolutely not where this isn't going forward and you're done. Um, and yet there, again, because of family of origin issues, there was a part of my brain that said, but maybe he's right. Um, and completely disregarded all the other healthy relationships that I'd had before then, um, where that wasn't an issue. Um, and now I've taken that and, and somehow it's just, uh, wormed its way into my psyche. Um, and I, and I am in therapy. Um, I think part of the issue too, was that right after him, I, um, uh, was, um, I had a therapist that was unethical. We'll just leave it at that. And that did not um, help. And so all the stuff that everyone is saying is just spot on and something that I need to take um, into my therapy, but also into my meditation and, um, and yeah, just take a deep breath and say, um, yeah, it's okay. And, and I think Dr. Norman, you were spot on um, with the whole, um, talking about the definition of good and bad that really, really resonated with me. Um, because when you said that and I was thinking about it, I was like, Oh, that's true. Anytime I have like, my parents have called me bad or whatever, it's because I wasn't, um, meeting uh, specifically my mother's needs because she's borderline personality disorder. Um, and, And so that really hit home. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll land my plane there. Okay. Thank you, Michelle. What a great conversation. And if I were to add just a couple of cents to all this, as you asked in the very beginning, am I being petty? No, you're not. Uh, When you're listening to your gut, your gut is usually right. Uh, The topic of power and control came in. Can someone have power and control over us? It certainly feels that way but nobody can take our power and control away from us. They can, they can shift it to the side. And I know what I'm talking about because I've dealt with the victims of crimes, severe crimes, who felt that their power and control had been taken away from them, robbed, stolen, taken, raped away from them. But in fact, it is never taken away from us. It is something that we can always grab and return to the surface because it's always within us to be powerful and to be in control of our own lives. That is within us. And I think it's so important. Relationships, yes, when we, um, when a label is given to us, you know, by parents or whatever, it's a label that's given to us. We don't have to receive it. Somebody tries to smack a label on you. I I don't know if this was popular in your day, but uh, when sticky notes came out, everybody was writing something and they would write a word and they'd come over and they'd pat you on the back and they'd slap these little sticky notes, you know, stupid or whatever it was that they said. And people would laugh at that. 
we don't have to accept any label that anybody gives to us. And we certainly don't have to leave our lives in control of someone else. That person that came into our lives may have taught us a few things, but in the end, it is up to us to deal with whatever it is that we need to deal with and to take control of our own lives. So I thank you so much. What a great conversation. I've learned so much from everyone who has spoken here. And uh, do any one of my moderators want to add anything more? I see. Kim so I just wanted to quickly add, just because I do know Michelle, and I just want to say, Michelle, you're a freaking awesome person, and that guy's a jerk, and that's all I have to say about that. And uh, yeah, that's it. Back to you, Paul. <laughs> all right. Well. Oh my God, I love that. The best advice yet. <laughs> now there, it all came down to just a couple of sentences. There we go. And the only thing I want to add to that is that uh, you follow your follow your gut. Follow your gut. You don't have to answer to anybody but yourself. And if your gut says no, follow your gut. It's usually right. We're given, we're given this wonderful gift of instinct, and all of us possess it. And if it doesn't feel right, it's usually not right. But the important thing is, is that we examine our life. Glenn, yes? No, I'm not interrupting you. I'm just I'm wanting to follow up. You when you're got done. it. Thank you. Yeah, our, our instincts, our guts are usually right. And I know that mine has saved my life. When I say saved, yes, it saved my life more than once for having uh, chosen to follow my gut and not what everybody else was doing under the circumstances. So that is something that we all have a gift of. And uh, I'd love to hear what Glenn has to say on the topic because I'm always learning. Yeah, I just thought of a name for a business for King. It's called King's Consolidations. <laughs> Done. All right. Glad. Want to be a partner? Anyone who wants to invest in the business, just let me know. I'm in, King. I'm in. I think that's awesome. I mean, we all meander conversationally, and King just comes in and goes, okay, so here's what it is. The guy's a jerk, and I'm done. That's my share. <laughs> Uh, you only get it here, folks. You only get it here. <laughs> so thank you. Michelle, uh, you've got a lot to think uh, in and uh, to, to go by, but really, in the end, it comes down to what you want, not what anybody else wants. Somebody can say, hey, I'd love to see you. It's been nine years, 10 years or whatever, but when it comes down to it, do I want to see you? And what is it that uh, I'm going to gain from this experience? Uh, and am I ready for this? And it comes down to what you want, not what anybody else wants. So thank you very much for joining us, Michelle. Uh, did you want to add anything before we go on to our next speaker? No, thank you so much. You've been awesome. And thank you for bringing that to uh, the room here today and for everybody share so, so far, folks, if you're just joining us, we've been talking about having those difficult conversations. We've been talking about narcissism. We've been talking about how we talk to ourselves and following our guts and all that kind of stuff. So it's been a, a wonderful conversation so far. Our speakers have been amazing and they have opened up and, and they've, uh, they've asked us for our guidance and, and I'm learning so much and I'm learning from them. So these are topics that we're going to run into at some point in our lives or somebody else is going to bring it up and, and just hearing it being spoken and all my moderators given such great advice. I'm so blessed. So thank you. And I see that Peter is our next guest. So Peter, welcome to the room, sir. Always nice to see you. 
Always good to see you, Paul King, Robert, and uh, Glenn. Glenn knows I'm a big fan and all the all the mods. And wow, what a great conversation! I'd like to speak about my subject is suspicion slash intuition, and I'll tell you why. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about. Um, I won't speak about the company I work for, but had a lot of changes in our team and a very senior fellow came and joined our team and I was like you know he's been a CEO of businesses and that sort of thing and I was very suspicious. few weeks into his tenure he's a stand-up guy he's good as gold he's a good bloke he's a Melbourne football club supporter like me we've got a lot in common. Um, Another young younger lady joined our team this week and she is a um, hypnotherapist. I think that resonates with Robert. Uh, she's a NLP worker. She's a, um, a, uh, a kinesiologist as well. So she's kind of like a light worker kind of thing in um, new age therapies and what have you wasn't suspicious at all, totally accepted. With the new members on the team, our our budgets got adjusted and um, realigned uh, also because we lost a major contract, which we had had for last three years. It was a government contract. It went to tender. We didn't get it. My budget went from this I can tell you 1.1 million dollars to 1.7 million dollars which hasn't been done before. Very suspicious with my general manager and I was agro. Um, For those of you overseas that don't know what agro means in Australia I was very angry with my general manager and very suspicious. I mean how am I going to do this what's going to happen and I knew automatically I wanted to check in because it's not a good place to be at work at when you're angry type of thing. I'm kind of viewed as a senior person you could say although it's not <coughs> it's not on my business card but boy um, yeah just wanted to check in with the team and um, yep that's where I'm at. Just kind of coming off the anger though, I know it's not the best place to be at work, but um, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so Peter, um, is, it, it, is it a tough conversation that you're not having with this supervisor? Is it something that you should be sitting across from a table and saying, hey, there's something I've we been thinking about? I should be having a one-on-one. Yeah. All right, so why are you not? some of the stuff that was... Oh, we haven't got there yet. We haven't had the opportunity to do so. Okay. Yeah, that's important. But we had a we had a general meeting with the whole team, and there was uh, like a, a meeting of what you would call the training and sales department, and um, and he goes through the numbers and that sort of thing. And that that was my intuition side of things. I said, the numbers aren't right and they weren't right. And I said, then why? Yeah, that's where I got angry. (laughs) Um, 
because don't boost my numbers up by 51% when they're not correct. Gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the angry part. I hope that and, makes sense, Paul. I hope that yeah, makes it sense. Do, no, it does make sense, Peter. Thank you for that. Um, I, I think what needs to be done here uh, from the surface as I'm looking in is having that conversation when the opportunity arises or creating the opportunity to ask if you can have a sit-down one-on-one with that person. Getting angry mm. is, not, is not an answer. You know, I, I worked many, many years in the police department and I had some supervisors that were crazy. And I remember when they, they got under my skin, I couldn't focus right. And it really mattered to me to be completely um, on board with whatever it was. So I had those hard conversations with a few of my supervisors. How do you feel that mm. might, might help you? Mate, you're spot on, Paul. Uh, 100% because it just jerks me out of centre and I want to inspire these new people or lead by example as you may or may not know I'm ex-Australian Army so you know had those sort of leaders as well had great leaders but you know had some leaders that weren't so great as you've just said so right on have that sit down and clear it up absolutely Peter and you know what we remember, and King, I'm going to go to you in just a moment, and then I'll go over to Doug. But just to add to what uh, you just brought up, Peter, is that we usually remember, and I know myself, I remember the teachers that annoyed me the most and the ones that helped me the most. And I remember the bosses that annoyed me the most and the ones that helped me the most. The ones that I remember, however, fondly are those who have helped me through. And sometimes it was just a matter of sitting down and having that conversation and them just adding to the quality of my work or whatever it was. So I just wanted to throw that. Oh, going to go over to King and then I'm going to go over to Doug. So over to you, King. Thanks, Paul. And uh, Peter, I just wanted to add, just to reemphasize what Paul was saying. And as you already know, just have that conversation sooner rather than later, because just in my time spent in the corporate world, I mean, I just realized that oftentimes people think that they have to wait for their formal review processes before they bring up complaints. And then it, it, during that time, it festers and it just becomes something ugly. So, I mean, both, you know, my experience, just, you know, whether as a as an employee or, or as a people manager, it just if if you wait until you know, this, whatever the formally scheduled times, it just gets out of control because in the meantime, just your imagination goes wild. And then you also, you know, become, you know, more and more upset as what, as what's going on. So it's really more about, you know, anytime something comes up, you know, taking care of things in the moment as they come so that they don't build up and become much bigger things down the road, because it just, you know, our imaginations get the better of us and we just imagine the worst. So I'm sure that if you have a conversation with them, you know, and, you discover the reasoning behind it. Maybe there's a good reason, maybe who knows, but at the same time, trust your gut. If there's something in there that just, you know, doesn't pass the smell test, that's a chance for you to investigate that as well. And just at that point, maybe, you know, determine what your options are at that point. Uh, so, you know, just get it off it because there's no point in keeping it and just making yourself upset over it for no reason because you don't have all the facts. So go get all the facts and I'm sure it'll be fine. And as you said, it also is a good example for you, Peter, to show, you know, your staff, as you said, the, you know, they look up to you because, you know, they may have things on their mind that they're allowed to fester and just upset them as well. And, you know, if, you know, it, you know, this is a good, um, 
opportunity for you, you know, one day to use it as as a learning experience for them because inevitably they're going to uh, run into issues and they're going to look to you as a mentor to help guide them through the process and it'll be a great uh, example that you can use to help uh, teach them and uh, help them advance in their career. So that's just what I want to add. And so, uh, Doug, if you are ready with your share, I'm going to hand the microphone over to you, Doug. Thanks, King. And Peter, just in way of background, I used to head up sales and marketing for two of the biggest fund managers in the world. Um, one of them, Columbia Threadneedle, runs 500 billion. So I've had big sales teams working for me, and then you know there'd be people who reported into me who had report people reporting into them. And there are times where I've had bosses, as in you know CEOs who've come in from other companies who've decided, right, we're going to put the uh, the quota up, we're going to put the targets up and we're going to put your team up to by 50%. I've had that in the past. And it, normally it's linked to some new product that's about to come onto the market or are going to be launched. Or there, you know, I was in the fund management world, so we were about to take on a really good fund manager that would lead us towards that. Or they just see the potential in the team in some way or form that, you know, this team is so good, we know that if we push them a little bit further, that they might actually achieve that target. And if you don't, we'll still pay you. But they won't tell you that. So. I think like what everybody said, it's very much down to communications in terms of relationships with people. You know, when you're in business as well, the relationship word comes down to a ship. It means a direction. And as a leader, you need to know that you are in the right direction, leading your troops and making sure they're all on board by relaying in terms of conscious communication, your shuns, your conditions, your expectations, needs and values. And he's obviously relayed across to you that he wants 51% more on top of the target from the previous year in terms of what you're trying to do in terms of your budget and everything like that. Now, the other side, you can flip side and, and reframe it in a different way, that he thinks you are so good and he sees the potential inside of you that so much that he can raise your target uh, by 51%. And I've had my targets raised, even when I wasn't a sales director or a head of sales, by significant amounts because the guy felt that, you know, I did really well last year and I think you, I want to push you this year. And there were times when I thought, holy shit, I'm never going to do that. And then I did. Because once you set that target, it's amazing when you aim for something and you can really go for it. It's a bit like Roger Bannister in 1952 when he beat the four-minute mile. Nobody thought they could actually do it, but once he did it, everybody started doing it as well. I think it was like six other people within like three months that did it. So, you know, I would say for you as a manager, the most important thing to do is get your team on board because regardless of what they're going to do, what their plans are, even if the worst case scenario, they're trying to push you so much that you don't, if you don't get it, they're going to push people out. Well, fuck them. You take your team and you say to them, look, what are we doing? So, so if you're an IT company or whatever, you're adding value to people to help people to be, be able to do more, more tasks in less time. Or if you're an investment guy, you're helping people, which I used to be, to retire younger, buy a better retirement home, whatever it might be. So anything that they do within the business in terms of the tasks, the goals, and the targets that they achieve, they're actually helping bettering someone's life as well. And if you drill that into people in terms of your team on a daily and weekly basis, making sure that they know there's a sense of meaning in what they're doing and how it's bettering someone's life, it might give them a little bit of extra inspiration to bring in that extra sale, that deal, or add that little extra value to some client in some way or form. And you might find that you might even double your targets next year. So try that and I hope it works. Well, thank you very much. Peter? Uh, Doug, solid copy. King, you're spot on the opportunity. And, you know, I'll just go with my intuition, not suspicion and definitely not anger. With that, Paul, gang, thank you so much. And uh, with that, I'm done, mate. Thank you again all. Thank you, Peter. Good luck with that. And uh, always appreciate you being here. 
And Peter brought up something um, that uh, Michelle had touched on as well, and that's power and control. I, I just want to add just a little bit to this conversation is that oftentimes we feel that the words of others or the actions of others can hurt our feelings. And, and we know that they can. However, when they hurt our feelings, that's a choice. We attach meaning to it, and then we react as opposed to respond. And when somebody, for example, in a relationship, they, they leave us or whatever, and we say to ourselves, they broke my heart. Well, that's not entirely true, is it? Nobody can break your heart, you break your own heart. It's the meaning and attachment that you put to it. When you're in a work environment and your boss does or says something, then you have an opportunity to react or respond to what's happening. And if we react to what's happening with emotion, that is energy in motion, we don't choose the right energy, it can really be detrimental to our well-being, to our mental wellness, to our happiness in the work environment. It's true of anything. Is The important thing is that we take a moment to decide, okay, what's the best action here? And do I give this person the power and control to make me angry? No. Let's take a look at what's happening here. I get to choose to exert the right kind of energy. How am I going to respond to this? And when we think that way, when we think about how we're going to respond as opposed to react, as Glenn would say, we become first responders and not first reactors. So no matter what happens to, our, to us or what is said to us, it's important for us to take a moment, take that breath, as Viktor Frankl, the author of Man's Search for Meaning would say, that we have a moment to imagine how we're going to respond to what is happening to us. And that response can make the meaning, can, it can change everything. If I react in anger, I'm going to say or do things that are not going to be in my best interest. And I've done that in the past. However, if I respond and I choose my response carefully, I've got a much better chance of being happy and of calming the situation down. So I think it's so important Dr. Allison, did you want to add anything to this? Because it's, it's a great conversation. You know, many years ago, um, I had a mentor tell me that I needed to take a beat. And I was, I just looked at her like, what do you mean? And she had this little voice like this. She's like, you need to learn to take a beat. And I just didn't get it. And I finally realized it was that pause. And it's a pause before you send the text, before you send the email before you know as you feel the heart begin to race as you feel your body tense it's taking that breath and just allowing your body to have that moment of calm and google has this um and they taught this years ago so in their meetings they realized that the engineers although usually very quiet um when it came to their projects, presenting their projects, they get all heated and and over overworked and overwrought. And they taught this very quick three breath meditation. So the first breath is you as you inhale, you think about what why am I oh you first think about your your breath, just like I, I'm breathing. Second inhale is what is my purpose of being in this meeting, this room? So second inhale, and then the last one is, 
kind of what do I need to get out of this? What is important? So in this quick little three breath, you're encapsulating how is my body reacting? What is the my function? What is my purpose in this moment? And how do I want to be seen? How do I want to um, speak next? And it just sort of is a, a quick little reset. And it's very helpful because yesterday I worked on a case for a 17 year old facing life in prison uh, with a criminal defense attorney. And I turned over the report in two days, which is unheard of. Um, and I turned over the report without final payment, which is unheard of. That's not my policy. And the attorney said, um, the payment is not forthcoming. Are you okay? And I was going to send an email, a text saying, you know, that's, I made an exception because this is a 17 year old and I really want the judge to consider these factors. And then I said, you know, I'm explaining too much. I just need to set the boundary according to me saying, in this case, fine, next time I will, you know, need to reenact my rules. And the person responded, I should never have asked you that question. Had I sent the original text, it might not have been <laughs> that realization from the other party that, oh, I, I realize you did me an enormous favor and I shouldn't have kept asking you for more favors. And, you know, I think we are in a society that has allowed us to be so anonymously reactive and just to blurt it out and then to dial it back an apology. And I, I believe that sometimes, you know, Oscar Wilde said, you know, restraint of pen and tongue, you know, <laughs> I think it, it, it holds well. Sometimes it's important to think about is this my reaction in the moment? Is this my ego? Is this my wounded self? Is this my inner child just looking to voice uh, a past hurt that has never been heard, never been processed? What is, why am I having this visceral uh, reaction that might end up hurting me more than allowing me to heal? So just my two cents there. Well, those two cents were worth so much. <laughs> I think it was uh, much more than two cents. I loved everything that you said. I love uh, the, uh, you know, the person who said, take a beat. And uh, the fact that it didn't mean something to you back then, but then you realized just how important it is because we are meaning making machines. And we've been that way ever since the beginning of time. I remember one of my, uh, one of my acting teachers giving this story and she said, uh, imagine this, you, you, you meet somebody and you go out on a date and you really like that person. And so after, after the date, you decide to send that person a text and you send that person a text saying, Hey, really had a nice time. And, uh, I enjoyed our, our, our date tonight. And I, I would hope to see you again, whatever that is. So you send that out and it doesn't get a response right away. What does our brain do? It tries to attach meaning to it. And most of us would start to question whether or not the date went as well as we thought it did. Did they not like me? Were they not attracted? And so this goes on. So going back to the story of this one person who sends the text out, they don't receive an answer in the first, second, third, or fourth hour. And now they're getting angry. They're getting angry that they've done something wrong. So they go out and they, they contact an ex, they do whatever. They get so upset that it just really 
puts a, a dent in their happiness. They, they imagine something great happening here. They've imagined something terrible happening here, but they've attached meaning to the unanswered text. About 24 hours later, they get a text from that person saying, I had such a great time too. I'm so very sorry that I wasn't able to text you back. My phone died or I dropped it in the toilet, whatever it is, but you get the answer to the text. That 24 hour period between not receiving the text and receiving the text comes down on what you attached to the meaning of that. And I remember this was so very true when I was up, when I had applied to give my, my TED talk and the, the judges, the people who were in charge of making the decision reached out and said, hey, we're gonna make a decision in two days. You're at the top of the list. We're not sure, but we'll let you know. Two days came, they never answered. No uh, email was sent. Three days, no email was sent. I had to remind myself, don't attach any meaning to it because we don't know what's going on in their lives. We don't know if there's been uh, a delay, whatever it is. I'm not even gonna worry about that. It's going to happen if it's going to happen. I put forth my best and I waited an extra day and I got the email that said, you're on the list. You're one of our speakers. So it's so important that we, we do that. One of the things that has helped me too, and I heard this said, I believe it was, I think it was on TikTok of all places. But when we're about to do something or we're about to say something, let's imagine for a moment taking that beat. What would our seven-year-old self say to what we're about to do or about to say? Would that seven-year-old self be proud and look up to us and say, you're doing the right thing. And when we look at our 90 year old self, would our 90 year self look back at what we're about to do and what we're about to say and be proud of that decision? We look at ourselves as our younger person and our older person, just take that beat as Dr. Allison said, take that moment, just take in those deep breaths and look at yourself as that seven year old or that 90 year old and say, am I, doing the right thing? Am I going to take the right action? And I think, that, I think that that's so important. So thank you very much for that, Dr. Allison. And uh, yes, um, Dr. Yes, Dr. Norman. Thank you. Uh, I love how you're so quick to notice when I unmute for a second, and I appreciate that. I wanted to just add to what you had said and what Dr. Allison had said. In particular, Paul, you were saying that you waited a day or two to hear about whether or not the uh, the TED Talk was approved. And in those two days, you utilized self-love to be able to maintain calm and patience and, and carry forward. The alternative, the opposite would be self-loathing. And what we know from the world of clinical research and human behavior is that self-loathing creates reckless behavior. And so when we wait for 20 hours, 24 hours for a phone call that we think we're never going to get, or we anticipate that we're going to get a rejection when we, we may not, we then, if we're self-loathing, become reckless. We drink. We do anything we can to create a jolt to our autonomic nervous system to distract ourselves from the pain that we feel because we are hurting ourselves emotionally. Thus, we hurt ourselves physically. The alternative is self-love. I got this. And if I don't have this, 
It's their loss, not mine, and I'll try again next time. So I love what you said, and I want to make sure that it's clear. Self-loathing creates reckless behavior. Self-love creates generous action for all. Wow, Dr. Norman, thank you so much for putting it in that way. I'd never thought about that, but it really does speak so much to what we can all do here is to know our value and to be comfortable in our value. And if somebody doesn't believe in our value, that's okay, as long as we know that we're doing our very best. And Dr. Norman, yeah, that was beautiful because I did. I, I knew that I had done my very best. And again, I, I said this in this room and it's been said by my moderators. I think you've also said this too. Why are we focusing on things that we cannot control where we should be focusing on the things that we can control? What I can control is what I give. What I can control is what I say. What I can control is how I respond. What I cannot control is how other people are going to see me, how other people are going to hear me, or what's going to develop. Those are things that I cannot control. When we start to look at our lives and say, okay, this is what I get to control. And I am building on the person, and I've said this before, blaming and shaming ourselves for something that happened six days ago, six months ago, six years ago, 20 years ago, does nothing to bring us to the person that we want to be in our lives. What matters is what we build on ourselves and what we believe in ourselves and keep doing the work. Many of us are, are works in progress and we're learning from our experiences. And Dr. Norman, that self-love as opposed to self-loading is so important for us to remember that we are our best friends or our worst enemies. It's really up to what we are and what we say. So thank you for that. What a great conversation. Do any one of my moderators want to add anything more before I go over to Maya? Robert, are you, are you still with us? Robert? You know what I would like you to do? Uh, if you can put your mind to it, you had a story that you shared with me um, something that happened to you years ago, and I think it would just be beautiful to add it to the end of this room. Do you remember the story that we, I'm talking about? Is that the one we spoke about last week? That's the one. I'd love for you to add that at the end of the room. I, th I think that that would be a blessing. So thank you. All right. Uh, sorry? Will do, bro. Okay, thank you. Maya, welcome. Thank you very much for waiting so patiently. It's over to you. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, thank you for having me here. I am really grateful for this conversation. So needed, so healing. Um, I just wanted to add my two cents to a few things that were discussed today. And um, one of the things that for me, one of my main beliefs in life is that life, our human experience is a learning experience and it's learning about who we are and what we're here to do. It is an individual journey as much as we are part of a collective. And during that journey, we get signs to understand who we are and understand who we are not. The same way our bodies give us signals that there are things that need attention, like a knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain, a fever tell us that there is something that is attention or healing with our bodies. Our emotional body and mental bodies also gives us signal. 
And a lot of those signals, we, we are aware of them as we are getting into adulthood. And a lot of those signals tell us how, like things in childhood, for example, that we haven't healed. Things that we like when we, when we see something that resonates with us, it tells us who we are. That's kind of how, you know, what we are, what we like, who we are. And when something pains us, makes us feel uncomfortable, sad, angry, sometimes it tells us who we're not. And also it tells us what we need to heal. So in the context of what we were talking about, as far as being in relationship with people that, that trigger us, that are narcissists, that, you know, roommates that are bad. Me, in my experience, when I have those experiences, I ask myself, what about me is this teaching me? What is this teaching me about who I am? And more importantly, about what I need to heal. And I didn't get there automatically. It was after years and years and years of blaming myself, of not understanding why those things were happening, of feeling that maybe I was just unlucky, and finally crashing and facing death, that I had to realize, wait a minute, like, this is not coincidental. My emotional body is telling me things I need to heal. And one of the things that I did to allow that process was stop focusing on the fault of the people. Stop doing the labeling. And I still, I still use the word narcissistic sometimes, but I try not to because that brings my attention to the person and that made me miss the, the to totally miss the gift of the lesson that this experience is telling me about me. One example was my abandonment issues. So that one, that's one of the childhood issues that I had to deal with. And what did I get? A partner that ghosted, right? Felt ghosted. Where are you? Abandonment issues coming up. And when I finally realized that I am feeling abandoned just like I felt as a child, maybe this is here to make me heal that so I never feel abandoned again. And that took me on a huge journey. But finally, I had to go back in and talk to the inner child and tell her, when you were six, seven, eight, nine, and you felt abandoned and you felt nobody gave you the attention, you weren't abandoned. You weren't tossed away. You cannot be abandoned because you are light. You are beauty. You are light. You are a piece of universal intelligence. You cannot be discarded. If somebody left or didn't give you the attention, they did it for their lives and their journey and their wounds and whatever. But it wasn't about you. It wasn't you that was abandoned. I had to go back and make that inner child understand that. And once she did, came back to myself and said, then I can't be abandoned as an adult either. The person can leave. Everybody has free will, but I am not abandoned. And if somebody decides to leave my life again, the story is that they left. The story is not that I am abandoned. So I would have totally missed that if I focused on the person is bad, they're horrible, look at what they did to me, whatever, whatever. You know, I, I would have missed that. So now I'm, you know, after doing, and, and a lot of those things, you can't just get there by just listening to motivational things. A lot of times you have to go through the process. You have to go through the healing. You have to put the mirror on yourself and say, why am I attracting those situations all the time? And, but after the healing, you do get to a point where you don't ever go back in the quicksand anymore. Mm. And that's me. I always tell people, look for the gifts of the hardship. However, though, however, 
now well, we can't but I now, Maya I, I have to respect everybody's time um, can you summarize okay that? because I, I think what you're yeah, so, giving is such great value yes okay so I'm gonna just land by saying that as I realized the gifts of the hardships I also changed the narratives that I have to learn through hardships only and now I, I, I tell God all the time I'm like God the universe I am very happy to learn to pleasant experiences too <laughs> and I don't have to learn to hardships anymore and when they come, I deal with them as a learning experience, but I, I expect now to learn to pleasant experiences as well. This is Maya Catherine. I yield my mic. Thank you so much. Maya, that was beautiful. I really love so much of what you said. Everything, actually. Life is a learning experience. How true. Uh, Glenn has told us that it is, it's an assignment as well. And uh, just love what you said. Do any one of my moderators want to add anything more to what Maya said? just want to say to you, Maya, that was brilliant. And the way you encapsulated it in your summary was perfect. And thank you. Yes, I, I so agree. Um, anyone else? Maya, thank you so much for coming up. And I wish we could listen to you longer. Uh, but we're going to respect everybody's time. But would you be able to come back next week? We'd love to have you come back and share some more. Are you available? Absolutely. My pleasure. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you. You're wonderful. Just going to tuck you right back into the audience, but what a great conversation. And, you know, Maya, um, she, she touched on the uh, physical, uh, this, that discomfort that we sometimes feel, maybe the tightness in the chest or we're just not feeling right about something. And it may not only be a physical indicator that something is physically wrong it may be something mental that we are not policing our thoughts and the moment she started saying that was the moment i started to imagine that yes there are times where i'm feeling a little bit uneasy and i'm thinking okay what am i thinking about right now it's it's important to okay what are you thinking about and do your thoughts or may your thoughts can your thoughts have an effect on you physically and the answer to that is yes and so let's police our, our bodies and our minds and our thoughts and just take it from there. So thank you for that. Colleen, are you there? Are you with us, Colleen? Colleen, I'm just calling you. That remind, uh, That's right, rhyming. Colleen? Nope. Hi, hi oh. I'm here. I'm just okay, listening. Excellent. I'm listening. It's very, it's a great room. Thank you. I, I don't, um, um, yes, thank you. I appreciate this room very much so i don't I, I have too much to say if you will so i'm just taking it all in thank you you got it colleen and i i so appreciate that you dropped in um to take it all in i'm just going to move you back into the audience as we get ready to close the room but this is what it's about you know so colleen so thank you i hope you come back uh again i want to thank everybody who has joined us, all my great moderators and uh, everyone who has added value to this room by coming up and, and speaking and to every one of you listeners who add value just by being here. And thank you for sharing the room. Thank you for your, your messages in the back. And I was thinking this week, my brother Robert told me this story a couple of times that I love so very much. And I just think it's a great story to sort of end the room off with. Um, uh, so I would love to turn the microphone over to Robert, but before I do, do any one of my moderators want to add something uh, as we close the room, maybe a final thought? Uh, because I, I, I love doing that as well. And 
Uh, what I'd like, yes, Dr. Allison, over to you. I didn't know if you were doing in popcorn or if you were asking for volunteers. Popcorn but, is great, yeah. Um, well, then it would start with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, you pop, you pop the corn first, so it's over to you. That's right. <laughs> I turned the oven on. Um, you know, I just want to invite everyone to um, try a Louise Hay practice where you look at yourself in the mirror as close as you can directly into your eyes and just say, I love you. I love and accept myself. I love you. And just say it until you see it click in your own eyes. And when people start to do that, um, I don't know, it softens. It seems to soften the people that, that do this exercise and allow um, just that, that tenseness, that, that, that fight, that um, defensiveness to sort of almost fall away a bit. Because as Dr. Norman reminded us, so many of our, our external issues are because we don't love and accept ourselves unconditionally in every moment. That's my little task for the week. Mm, I love that. Thank you, Dr. Allison. And thank you for being here and, and sharing with us. That is so very true. Uh, why is it that we are so concerned about what other people think of us and not what we think of ourselves? That's just the question I want to ask. Um, any one of my moderators, uh, the popcorn is on. Who wants to speak next? No one. All right. So, Robert, are you ready with your story? Sure, Paul. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for attending today. Uh, I just recently, in fact, just this last week, crossed one of those milestone age moments where <laughs> crossing, sort of crossing the Rubicon almost. Uh, and of course, when I look back over my life, as, as all of us, when, when we all look back over our lives, uh, I'm sure that each and every one of us here, moderators and those who are in, still in the audience, will remember maybe one or two or three life-defining moments. Um, and uh, I'm about to share one of them uh, with you uh, because it was truly a, a, a life-changing, life-defining moment for me. Um, when I was quite a bit younger, I was uh, in my early 20s and I was uh, working in downtown Ottawa. And this one evening, I worked late. Um, Ottawa, Canada, um, the downtown uh, although it's thriving during the day, it becomes almost like a ghost town at night. After about 6, 6.30, uh, you could almost sh uh, shoot a cannonball down the main street and not hit anything or anyone. Uh, so this night I'd worked late. It was almost 7 o'clock, and I was walking back to uh, my bus stop. And I saw in the distance this... Um, uh, I guess we'd call them homeless person today. Back in those days, we'd call them, uh, you know, a, a vagabond or a bum or something, but a uh, hobo. Uh, anyway, I saw this person. This is cool, but this goes back to, let me think here. This goes back to the um, uh, to the 70s, 1970s. And he was staggering a bit, and I knew he was going to hit me up for for some change. And so I thought, hmm. I missed my bus. My bus isn't coming around for another 50 minutes. Uh, I said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. So sure enough, he hits me up for some change. And I said, listen, buddy. I said, uh, when was the last time you had something to eat? And he looked at me kind of inquisitive. And I said, he said, yesterday. I said, well, I'm going around the corner to, uh, for a beer and a burger. Would you like to join me? 
uh, the look on his face was just uh, <laughs> incalculable. Uh, he kind of hesitated, said, "Sure." So we went to, into this uh, into this fast food place that served beer and burgers, and we ordered. We went upstairs, and then he began to sketch out for me his life. His name was Johnny Power, and he apparently was the last man to be deported to Canada from Newfoundland before Newfoundland became part of Canada. And he was telling me his story about how he traveled across Canada in freight cars. And he told me that during his travels, um, whenever you would stop into an unknown town or village and you wanted to panhandle, you had to find the chief hobo that actually governed and policed that particular district. Now, I don't know how much of this story is true, how much of it isn't, but this was his story. And so you'd have to go in. And if you didn't, there was a high likelihood that you'd get beat up and, and whatever uh, nickels and dimes you had managed to, to, uh, to gather would be, would be taken from you. And he put this on the back of a napkin for me. And it was, it was fascinating. Just the story itself was fascinating. Uh, I then ordered a second beer and second burger and, and, uh, but, and, and we were talking a little bit more. At some point I said to him, I said, Johnny, I said, Johnny, do you believe in God? And he stopped. Tears began to roll down his cheeks. And he said, you're an angel, aren't you? And I said, Johnny, I'm no angel. He said, no, you are. He said, because last night, he said, I was laying at the in my cot at the Salvation Army. And I was crying out to God. And I was saying, God, if you're real, if you're real, prove yourself to me. Uh, because I was just at the end of my rope. And here you are today showing me this kindness. And I knew I had to go or I'd miss my bus again and wait another hour. So I took a $5 bill back in the 70s. $5 was worth uh, a lot more than it is worth today, but especially with the inflation lately. Uh, but the $5, I put it on the table and I said, Johnny, here's $5. You need to promise me that you'll use at least half of it for breakfast tomorrow morning and the other half, I don't care what you do with it. He wouldn't touch it. He truly believed I was an angel sent from God because he wouldn't even touch it. It was like it was almost sacred. I insisted he take it and he did. And so as we're walking out the restaurant, we cross the street. Again, it's a ghost town, it's dark, it's, it's, it's at nighttime, it's, it's in the fall. Um, he says, oh, man, he said, listen, he said, don't go away. He said, I've got to run behind this building. I got to take a leak. He said, please don't go away. He said, I'll be right back. He runs behind the building. Just at that moment, the bus turns the corner. And I know that if I don't get on that bus, I'm waiting another hour. So sure enough, I get on that bus. The bus drives away, turns the corner. I can only imagine Johnny's state of mind when he walks out from behind that building and I have vanished. I have disappeared. There's no one or nothing in sight. And so, so the moral of that story for me and why it was so life transforming is that every single person that we meet has a story. They have a story. And if we take the time to listen to their story, it will change us. And for me, I do believe it changed me for the good. So anyhow, Paul, that's the story. Uh, it's one of those life-defining moments that I'm very happy to share. Back to you. Oh, thank you, bro. Glenn. Hey, Paul. I thought that Robert's moral of the story was going to be have a car. <laughs> have a car. <laughs> we'll travel. I love that.
Uh, you know, there's so many things I love about that story. Um, and having a car is one of them too, that, that you, exactly. Uh, but when you look at it, are the, here's the question, are there angels among us or are we each uh, capable of being the angel for somebody else? Robert said, we all have a story. Everybody has a story. And that has been something that I've been saying uh, for so many years as a, as a police officer, a former detective, I know that everybody has a story. I also know that we can all touch each other's lives. We can become the angel to somebody. So Johnny Power, um, he, uh, wow, what a story he must have had to share with his friends or at the Salvation Army that he had met an angel that day. So are each and every one of us uh, at, at times in our lives, are we given the assignment? The assignment, as Glenn said, life is an assignment. Are we given the assignment to become somebody's angel on earth? Uh, that's a question. I don't know. May I respond to that, Paul? Yes, please do. Yeah, and forgive my playfulness at times. <laughs> I just think it's perfect, especially when someone shares a very long and beautiful story. And certainly it wasn't too long. It was perfect. But if they give you a funny punchline that hits them out of left field, sometimes it's just so massively enjoyable. But I want to respond to what you said, because in my view, the answer is yes and daily. Daily. It seems that I am afforded the opportunity to show up in an angelic capacity on a daily basis. My job is to say yes. And it keeps me in the highest available place. You know, I had a friend years ago, this goes back 30 plus years ago, who we were trading secrets on how to maintain our joy because both of us are happy people. So what fuels your happiness? Great, Glenn, what fuels yours? Let's trade secrets. Here's what he said to me. He said, my whole life I have spent looking to identify a need in another human being and then meeting it before they have even asked. And that has stayed with me for more than 30 years as being a servant in this world to be in a servicing capacity. And so I can't say enough about that other than simply yes to the question you posed, Paul. I think that, you know, we can be an angel or an ass at any moment. The choice is ours, an angel or an ass, because both spirits can express themselves through any of us at any time. And that's why practicing wellness is so important, because that gives us dominion over who we grant stage time to. What personality are we granting stage time to express themselves through us and as us? Will it be your angel or will it be your ass? I'm Glenn and I'm done sharing. Have a beautiful weekend, everyone. Glenn, I, I love that. And I, I'm sorry to just quickly jump in here. I know the room is over, but I want to just confirm for you, Glenn, as everybody else, as well as everybody else, there is a there is a, a chapter in the Old Testament by the name of Balak, where we learn 
this very lesson, Glenn, where an ass, a mule, which is known in the Old Testament as the, the lowest level of intelligence, actually speaks. And the ass is able to discern that the pathway that the, his, that his uh, rider is on is dangerous and has to go somewhere else. And what we're learning is that sometimes, even through the mouth of an ass, something angelic comes through. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. Yes, uh, both of you. Thank you for that. And Robert, a uh, great story that brings out so much. And so as I, I suppose, um, do does anyone else on stage want to say anything? All right, here's our challenge then. Let's go out and be the angels that we were meant to be. Let's go out and be the people. And it's so very true. I can think of so many times where I've come upon a situation or come upon someone, and as Glenn said, just identified something that they need to hear at that time and shared it with them. And it reminds me of a, a small poem that I, I picked up years ago when I bought my first house. I saw this plaque in this store, and I thought, i got to have that. And it, uh, it said this, a kindly word so often helps a sad heart on its way, although we do not always see the good it does that day. So just think about that. You may be the answer to somebody's prayer. Somebody may be asking, as Robert was. Yes. Paul, can you say that again slowly in case people are wanting to write that down? That was so beautiful. You bet. A kindly word so often helps a sad heart on its way although we do not always see the good it does that day. That reminds me, and, and I, I'll just jump in here. I was a uniform cop. I'd been on the job for about a year. I had uh, I'd pissed off my, my staff sergeant by saying that I'd been on the beat uh, far too long, and he decided to put me out there for another six months. He thought that I was challenging his authority, <laughs> which I probably was. I was on the beat one night. And it was, uh, as Robert would describe Ottawa, uh, when, when six o'clock turns around in my community, which was Oshawa, not <laughs> different places, Oshawa, the same thing happened. So when I came up upon this young man at one o'clock in the morning, sitting on the sidewalk uh, on the main street, nobody else was around. It was dark, no cars, no lights on in the houses. He's just sitting on the sidewalk. I had no idea what he was doing. So I walked up carefully behind him because I wanted to see what he was doing with his hands, never knew what he was doing. And I noticed that he was just playing with a rock. And so I, I made the mistake of tapping him on the shoulder and scaring the lights out of him. He threw out a cry that was so loud, it must have woken up the whole neighborhood. I sat down beside him and I just started to talk and talking about anything, everything just asking how he was and just, just spending one o'clock in the morning, just a few minutes with this young man, mustn't have been more than 17 or 18, but I wanted to find out why he was away from home at this hour and just taking some interest in him. After about five or 10 minutes of conversation, he turns to me and he starts crying. And he said, officer, I was just thinking about killing myself. I just didn't know where, but I was going to kill myself and you walked up. Think about that for a moment. Everybody has a story. We do not know what people, what crosses people carry. 
But when you take a moment to sit down and just listen to someone or share some time, some conversation, some genuine interest, everybody wants to be seen, heard, loved, understood, all those things. This was one of those moments where I think that I, for whatever reason or however it happened, I became an angel to this person, just like Robert became an angel to, to Johnny and the stories that, that we've heard. And so thank you, everyone. It's, it's our assignment to go on out there and just be better people for ourselves and for others. And I want to thank everybody. Does anybody want to add something? Because I'm going to close the room off if we don't. So welcome uh, again to everyone who's joined us. And thank you so much. We're going to be here again next Saturday. And I thank you. Um, this is, I've learned so much here today. And I thank each and every one of you. So I'm going to close the room off in just a few seconds. Um, I'll count it down from five. So five, four, thank three, you, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. Two, one. Have a great weekend. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.